If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Explorinate Podcast. Welcome back to the Explorinate Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and this is an After Dark episode where we're going to talk about whatever we want to. And joining me tonight is Drexy. Long time since I've heard your voice. It's, uh, I've kind of missed it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'll probably be sick of it by the end of this, but <laughs> for now, I've, I've missed it. Good. I'm, I'm going to do my best to make sure you're sick of it. Just my best. <laughs> Welcome back, Ben. Hello. Hey, Rob. What's, what's happening, man? Not much, man. I'm I'm really excited. I'm, I'm glad to get the gang back. It's been a while. The last episodes have been interviews, so it's it's been a bit. So, and you know who's on the show today? Who hasn't been on the show in forever? Sean. Yeah, you know, boys. Here we go. You had to wake me up for this shit, dude. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love that voice. I love that accent. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, good to be back, Ben. So, as we mentioned, or as I mentioned, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak like the the royal we we. No, anyways, this is one of our After Dark episodes. So we've done these a few times where we're actually, we do them for our patrons. This will be the first time that the greater audience will see them and see what they're missing for maybe maybe a little incentive to get in on our Patreon. But we we make them a little bit more relaxed. Fuck. Out. Yeah. <laughs> we use curse words. But yeah, no, it's it's more about just kind of shooting the shit with our friends here. And we are going to talk a little bit about Dune, Spice Wars, but that's going to not. That's definitely not going to be the focus of this episode. So, if you're looking for that, we might talk more about it. I don't know, maybe another episode. But really, I'm just I'm just glad to hear from you guys. It's it's nice to get you all together. It's been a I've been a year, huh? It's been a while, man. Like it's we've not really had a chance to get together. You've been busy, haven't you, with stuff at home? And uh, I've been busy with my new job. And yeah, you know, I don't know what the other guys have been doing, but they've just been doing their busy stuff. <laughs> I think everybody got kind of burned out because it was kind of like, you know, I don't know. It it, it felt like I mean, my, my, my father passed in, in May and then I kind of was out for a minute. And then it just seemed like I know, Sean, you've been moving like you moved like five times, right? Yeah, uh, I moved on to a farm and then ran a farm and then moved back again. Also, that crow's back. Fuck that crow. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so great it's been how long and this crow's like oh he's doing it again i'm right here let's go yeah i wonder i wonder if that crow's been around at all until you got back on the podcast i actually don't know but yeah <laughs> he's back again yeah well hi crow welcome back crow it's it's been the title of a couple episodes actually so you know 
But yeah, I mean, the thing is, I really want to talk about this year in general, like not even just because it's been a shit year for a lot of people, but also because it's been one of the best years of games like ever. I mean, if we just talk about things outside of Forex and strategy, I know that's kind of weird because we don't do that. But there's been just like some really wild, huge releases. I mean, I, I can just like list off a few here, but like, I mean, we just had Starfield come out before that was like Baldur's Gate 3. I know that there's probably so many I'm going to miss here, but there's what else? Have, I'm already I'm already forgetting. I feel like I just shit the bed Age here. Age of Wonders Four for people who like Age it. of Wonders. Well, yeah, we we can get into like actual strategy games. So Age of Wonders Four is a big one. Armored and... Core, but not strategy ones. Um, what else was there? <laughs> big game for big year for games, and we forgot them all. I don't play <laughs> yeah. anything other than Winter stuff now. <laughs> and, the Jagged Alliance Three, but we didn't play that one. Uh, well, I don't think most of us played much of that. Yes, yeah, Crow. I heard there's that crow xenonauts 2 yeah that's that's i mean it's not really out though and i, I think that i don't know if you guys have played it but it it's uh it's awesome but the tactical combat and it's really good i think it's a definite improvement on the on the first one but it's still a bit unfinished isn't it like you can tell that it's still in early access yeah like probably the longest game in development now ever apart from maybe project zomboid i think i think i i wouldn't be surprised to learn if xenonauts 2 had been in development longer <laughs> it's yeah. just like the longest game ever I remember when the Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter was like, I want to say in 2017. Yes, but it was been in development way longer yeah. than that. No, it was, yeah. it was in development before. I know that they had stuff to show when it was Kickstarted. So I was like, wow. Uh, so yeah, no, that's at least five years plus. I want to say 2010 it's been in development since. Holy now shit. somebody might fact check me on that. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's 2010, somewhere around then or 2012 where, you know, they've They've been working on it in some form or another. That's Wait, crazy. when did the first one come out? I didn't even think the first one was out before then. Well, I think the first one. Oh, well, you know, now I'm gonna look it up because I feel like Zeno Nuts, Zeno Nuts. Okay, so the first one was out in 2014, but okay, that's crazy. I thought it was like I thought I thought Zeno Nuts was 2008. I might be wrong then, guys, but uh, yeah, I mean that's what it's saying the official release date is. I don't know how long it was circling around before that. Yeah, by the way, Shadow Gambit, Sean, you just brought that up. I just I just bought that because I tried the demo out. And anyone who likes tactic games like should really check that out. That game is amazing. And it it actually sold really poorly, so the, the developers are closing business. But oh, no. it really shouldn't have. It's amazing. Is that the one, the guys who did uh, Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Samurai, which is a yeah, game? Yeah, it is. So they're not closing because of that. I think they were planning on closing anyway because they've sort of just had enough. But there was they wrote a big blog thing about it. It's in their discord that they posted it up on their website and essentially it was uh, basically they've just had enough like they're, they're making these games and they're very niche and they even if they sell well they don't make a lot of money and it's a heap of work and like ever rising costs and it's really stressful and they were just like you know what that's it like we put the game out we'll fix this game up and then we shut it off so i think they said by the end of the year they're gonna close up shop uh, so they're the ones that did shadow tactics and desperado for- yeah yep so they were just like, yeah, even the ones that did do really well, like I, I don't think Shadow, Shadow Game, I don't think sold poorly because it's bad. It sold poorly because it released around like there's so many big games that it just kind of got buried. I think. I think Shadow Game is their best game. I, I, I mean, out of the games I played, I played most of them, and I, I started playing Shadow Gambit, and it's just it's really cool how each of the people you pick up, each of the uh, basically like the ghouls and ghosts that you pick up to crew your pirate ship, your ghost pirate ship is they're all unique and they all have like very unique special abilities and stuff like that. I think it's great. It's amazing. Actually. I watched Daz tactic play on his channel and it seemed cool, man. Like it looked very much like 
Shadow Tactics, but you know, an updated version. But I had a lot of fun with that game when it came out. I thought it was really, really good. It was like really nicely produced. You know, it's that Commandos formula, basically. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, um, way, way back game. in the day. But it's the same kind of game. Yeah, they've just kind of well, that's what they've done with every game, isn't it? Really, they've just iterated on the same formula and made it better and tighter. And this is now, I guess, this is now their you know penultimate game that they've made. But that that's it because they're shutting doors. But they're putting they're putting out updates for it still for the next couple months or whatever but then after that they're done so yeah no it's a big big shame because they do really really good work but from what their blog thing was saying they've just uh it's getting more and more and more difficult to stay above the water and they've just had enough so they're shutting down that sucks that's funny you guys have been mentioning Baldur's gate like i might actually get hold of that eventually (laughs) i avoided it for a bit because i just couldn't be bothered with it i was every time i buy an rpg i really enjoy it for about the first half of the game and then i just stop playing which is exactly what happened with both divinity games and pretty much every every crpg that i've played since about well since Baldur's gate 2 came out i just don't re- i like them for a bit and then i just lose my focus but i'm hearing some very very good things about it like i don't think it's just hype i think the game is just very very good uh, like it's what, what you guys say it's so I've, good i've been playing with a well i was playing with a friend and really enjoying it and then we got into an argument <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't played for a couple of weeks but we will go back to him but <laughs> what we did play was very enjoyable <laughs> it's it's an amazing game i mean like I'm, I'm actually really happy to see larian studios or larian studios however you pronounce it get to the point where they're just like i mean they're triple a at this point and i remember back in the day when they were like Div- divine divinity and like these like really s- <laughs> like silly kind of action rpgs and now they've made their way to producing what i think is one of the best rpgs i've ever played so yeah I, i've heard good yeah. things man That's it's great. like it's a super step up from a even a divinity yeah original sins 2 it's like so much production value in it it's amazing here's the, I, right here's the thing like i because i bought divinity original sin 2 when it was released and i'd still not finished divinity 1 so i was like right I ain't going to play this until I finish Divinity 1. So I went back to my old game save 50 hours in, tried to finish it, couldn't. So I started playing Divinity 2 anyway. And then I was just like, I can't play this until I finish the first one. So I just I just bought that game and never played it. So that's partly why I didn't buy Baldur's Gate 3, because I'm, like, I'm not buying another bloody Larian game until I finish Divinity <laughs> Original Sin 1. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's amazing. I mean, the like... Was it you, Drexy, that just said that the production values are out of this world? Like they are. They're they're like I mean, like every almost every line I think is voiced. I mean, there's like three hundred million lines voiced or some weird number. It's like extraordinarily good or extraordinarily large. And the you know the characters themselves are very good. I mean, the, there's a lot of talk about how the third act like drops off in quality and in like stable stability. But I haven't made it that far. I don't know what it's like, but I'm I'm really excited to finish it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just happy to see it do well. And that's I mean, like that, that, that's it, right? Like, there's not even I I picked up Starfield. I haven't really tried it yet because I want to finish Baldur's Gate. But there's there's just so many games that have come out this year that I I feel like like you said, Ben. I mean, I I feel almost guilty trying the new one because I feel like I should go back and finish the one. Like War Tales came out, and I've still I really wanted to go back and finish that. You know, and that, that's a damn good game. Speaking of Shiro games, which we talked about, you know, Shiro games made Dune and they also made War Tales. And I I was enjoying War Tales for what it was, but then all these other games came out. So I was uh, going to get Game Pass to play Starfield and then I thought, you know, I've not even played, uh, what's the name? No Man's Sky. 
So <laughs> I think I'm going to install that and play that instead. Because <laughs> apparently it's supposed to be really that. good now. Yeah, I it heard is. that too. It so came good. out with a big patch or something as well. Yep, it did. It came out like with a patch like literally a few days before Starfield. And honestly, if they added some like more, I don't know, maybe like RPG elements, I think that No Man's Sky would be the better game. <laughs> I really do. It's. I've heard mixed things about Starfield. Like I've seen some of the criticism and I've seen some of the, you know, like people talking about it. Like there's a guy that I watch who reviews, he does like review Skyrim mods or something. He's got like a channel that's been going for ages, but he was like, kind of like didn't like it for about the first 12 hours and then i just kind of got lost in a little side quest and the side quest was just really interesting and all this crazy like i just took me to this really beautiful place in this game and he said he just got lost in this little place for a while and then he, he suddenly realized he was like oh shit i'm actually having loads of fun with this and he said that there is criticism you know the game's not perfect but actually it has got that amazing feel that you had with Skyrim or something where you just kind of wander into a new area and it's all kind of new and there's all sorts of stuff going on. He said, but it's even better in a sense. Um, I did see, I saw a review by uh, by a British guy that I watch who said that it feels very disjointed because of all the loading screens. He said it's just a com- it's completely immersion breaking. And I think that would do my head in as well. Like I play RPGs to kind of get immersed in the world, but especially third person RPGs, you know, like Skyrim or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like it sounds, it looks like a decent enough game. I, obviously, Bethesda are never, no one's ever going to be satisfied with anything they ever release ever again. They're kind of like creative assembly at this point. They're just, you know, it's impossible to, to please anybody. Um, and yes, people will still buy their games in droves. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's part of what bothered me is that I started to play it and it just felt very disjointed. Like, you know, even going from like planet to planet, it's not it's not like actually like piloting your starship to it. It's just a loading screen and, you know, a quick little like cutscene of seeing your your aircraft or your ship take off and then land. And I don't know, it's literally done better in a game that's seven years old in No Man's Sky. So I just, yeah. I, you know, it's. It's disappointing that a giant studio like that couldn't couldn't make it more immersive. But I I also too think that it would be just it would have been cooler and you know and more more in line with No Man's Sky if they had just made the world smaller, like the universe smaller, and focused on less planets because you know there's like you know seven billion planets or whatever in, in Starfield, and if they had just made maybe just one single galaxy or maybe even just one solar system where you could travel between each of the planets like you would in No Man's Sky and you know, there's a seamless transition between sky and atmosphere and the actual ground and stuff like that. That would be way cooler. So I think the the focus was too big. I really was hoping for like an open world, like space-ish Skyrim, and I got something much different. So, yeah. Uh, Diablo 4 came out and is absolutely terrible. I actually like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it I has like- no end game. It's... <laughs> It's typical Blizzard. <laughs> they That's because they're going to add in a DLC. An <laughs> they're going to wait to the next expansion to add that. Yeah, yeah they're like the worst. Com- they, I think you know we we there's a lot of companies that deserve a lot of flack over their shitty business practices. You know, and I'm sure we've all got a favorite one, but I think Blizzard are probably the worst. I think they're for like, sure. Yeah. They are the worst. I, I mean, and how the mighty have fallen as well. Because when you look at when you look at the games that they produced in the past, like I remember the very first Warcraft, the original, which was basically a, you know, an RTS game. It was like a Command and Conquer, Fantasy and Command and Conquer clone. Brilliant game, really good. So was Warcraft Two, superb, and Warcraft Three, and you know, Starcraft. The first Starcraft was a really good game, and that was the last one that I actually played by Blizzard. But like after that, they've just kind of gone downhill. <laughs> like, yeah, that was the last good one they made, Starcraft Two. Well, the thing is, they've they've 
did a really bad first season, which is terrible. There's hardly any content in it, and they got a battle pass for it. Now they're talking about releasing a, spe- a paid expansion every year. Well, that's not going to go too well when people have suddenly discovered uh, PoE and PoE 2's coming next year, which is yeah. going to blow it out of water. PoE 2 looks so amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to go down a list of some of the games that came out because I've, I looked it up. I had to because I was like, I know there's a bunch of games that have come out. So, like, Dead Space Remake, which, of course, was really good, but it was also kind of already done. Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, if that's something you're, you're into. Fire Emblem Engage, I know that was a really well-liked tactics game. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, and then let's keep going. Jagged Alliance 3, and then we have Remnant 2. I don't know if anybody has played that, but that's really good, too. It's a yep. unique, yeah. And then, of course, we have Shadow Gambit. And then we have... I, I just picked this up. I just picked up Mortal Kombat 1. I'm excited about that. And Baldur's Gate, of course. Legend of Zelda, The Tears of the Kingdom, which, of course, was really well received. And then Resident Evil 4, like the redo, the remake of that. Oh, that's I mean, great, man. I really enjoyed that. Great, great Yeah, that's something... I, I wish I'd actually played it, but I haven't yet. And I don't know if I ever will, because... Oh, you got to like, play that, man. It's really good. It's like... It's about 25 hours, I think. Like me and Ava played it through, and it was about 25 hours. Um, but yeah, that, that was a, that's a really, really good game. You should play it. It's like superbly well done. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I want to. It's certainly on my list, but I haven't paid for it yet, so... I, I want to I beat Baldur's Gate 3 before I you know, I really invest in any other game like that. That's not, you know, a strategy game. So yeah, I mean, those are just a few of the games that I was looking at through this list that feel like they're giant, gigantic, really, um, that have done really well. And I'm pretty sure there's more games coming. I mean, like there's a new Mario coming. It just feels one of the, like one of the better years for video games in general. I mean, like with, with a, a year that you're seeing a new Diablo and a new Zelda and, hell a new bethesda ip as much as it wasn't all that great and Baldur's gate 3 like these are all like just gigantic games age of wonders 4 you know it sold extraordinarily well and i know there's an expansion coming we we talked about it with the uh the developers last time and there's an expansion coming here and, hey rob just yeah. quick um have you played age of wonders 4 recently since some of these new patches are coming because i kind of fell off that one a little bit i got a bit bored of it but i've been hearing that like a lot of the stuff that I was annoyed about with the game is actually starting to be a lot better. What are your opinions on it? I, I went into it uh, a couple of weeks ago and I tried to see what changed and I didn't really feel like it had changed. <laughs> so, it, you know, the things that I... Well, so I don't know if you guys listened to the interview, but the interview with Triumph, they were talking about how they're going to do away with the character creation of only being able to choose two traits. And I guess it's going to be more of a, almost like a Stellaris where you choose some negative traits and you choose some positive traits to kind of make who you want. And I think that system sounds cooler and I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with the traits to maybe, you know, balance them to make them more interesting. But I think that that system sounds cooler. And I think aside from that, the, the main concerns I have with the game haven't been addressed yet, which are that, you know, it doesn't matter what you create, it doesn't really feel very unique and it doesn't make the gameplay feel, you know, asymmetric or unique enough to to warrant like a lot of playthroughs. Yeah, so, I feel the same way. It's kind of, it all kind of feels the same. I, I, I did, I only played it 
probably about 20 hours and that's not a lot really i still feel like i got my money from it and i do think it's a good game uh, i think it's one of those things if you really like that formula like if you'd like daz tactic and you love that formula then it will probably be great because there's a lot of room in there to explore within those within that thing but i found that the strategic side of the game just kind of played out very similarly every time and i didn't really think there was much there wasn't really much room for strategy or tactics on the on the overworld map you know like but this is a point that daz made about it like there's no kind of choke points or anything in it and because it's so easy for the each it's so like there's not much movement modifiers for training things so you it's really hard to kind of like pen anybody in you know and and kind of wait for them in traps the only the only thing that you're really doing with the strategic movement is ensuring that if you can't fight against them you stay out of their range Uh, i don't know like i just that was one thing that really bugged me about it it just felt like the tactical combat was amazing but the but the strategic side is still not there yet for me. So, yeah. I've been playing a Forex game. What? Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. I've been playing the uh, new DLC for uh, Distant Worlds 2, which is something oh, yeah. else that's come out this year. What do you reckon it's like? Uh, I mean, it's, the game's not changed that much, but just the performance is ramped up. They're doing really well. I just wish they were a little bit quicker. I got, I'm enjoying my playthrough with the Gazorians, I think they're called. Yeah. yeah, the little insect guys. The gizzies. Um, yeah. The gizzies. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I am really disappointed is I'm sure they said every month they were going to update the base races. I have have actually brought this up with them, but they haven't yet. So <laughs> uh, I know the answer to that question, but I'm not sure if it's NDA'd or not. So, All right, don't um, But I know yeah, no. um, but they are, they are Eric do it. has said they are working on it, but... I guess it's just happening slower than they promised. But yeah, I've been playing. I think I think you said Ben just play really slow. So I've been playing on like one time speed and occasionally putting it up to two time speed. Um, I've not really been even um, uh, designing my own ships and stuff. I've just sort of been playing it more like a grand strategy. And yeah, I've I've been having a lot of fun with it when I fit in between uh, POE. <laughs> but I know I've played about two, eight hours since the DLC's come out. So, yeah, I'm probably going to play it for a bit after we finish here. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. They're, they're, they're slowly, slowly making it better. Um, yeah, I'm just enjoying it. I think it's probably the only Forex game I want to play right now and the only Forex game I can see coming for a while that I want to play. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, the, the thing about Distant Worlds 2 is that I can't imagine that if they were to increase their team size that the game would be profitable. So I think the way, I mean, and that, that does lead to slower development. And, and, and you know, the, that's that's fine, I guess, because I, I haven't really checked back in with it in a while. I know that the new the two new races are very unique and they play uniquely. And, and I know the word is just like, it, it's probably so annoying for me to say this, but they, they play asymmetrically. And I know that that actually kind of makes me feel like when I go back to like a base race, it just feels kind of boring in comparison. But I do like that their direction with the new stuff is that like they're going to make them more more dramatically different and stuff like that. So I just also know that the flip side of that is that it takes much longer for things to be developed. And I also know that that means that it becomes more of a niche (laughs) as time goes on, because I just I can't imagine, you know, the slow development time is really, you know, increasing their fandom or you know, their, their out, their reach with sales and stuff like that. It's a real shame, isn't it? I kind of, I really wish that the, that game had launched stronger. I think if it had launched in a really strong place, 
they'd have made money with it and it would have been you know a really decently selling game that have had a lot of happy people and then they'd have been able to you know just do more with it i guess and it it kind of feels like because they something went drastically wrong with that with the launch of that game and i still can't figure out quite what it was it was just really buggy basically and you know it was just a real shame because i think that distant worlds 2 is a really good game now and it and i think give it another year or two if if uh, they you know they keep developing it it's going to be an even better forex it's going to be one of the best space forex around it's just probably never going to sell very much well yeah yeah i, th- I think it's difficult i know distant worlds one kind of sort of uh built up momentum and more and more people got um into it but i think these days, like we're saying, there's so many games coming out that, you know, you've got a really short window to catch the attention spans of uh, as many people as possible. So it's a lot harder from when uh, Distant Worlds 1 was out and when Universe finally came out onto Steam. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I just went and, f- and had a look and there are still some massive games coming out in the back half of this year. Well, we got Lamplighters League, which I completely forgot about. Uh, that's from the guys, uh, Airbrand Schemes, the guy that did Battletech. And then we've got Total War Pharaoh. I have no idea how that's going to do, given how the Total War community is at the moment. Uh, we've got City Skylines 2, and then Broken Roads and Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader from Alcat. So, like, October, December is going to be huge as well. It's a big year. <laughs> is Broken Arrow coming this year or not? I can't. Uh, it's supposed to be. There's no date. Um, people suspect it's probably going to be pushed back to next year. All right. Yeah, you're right. Those are also big. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to get too much into the Creative Assembly Total War drama, but man, what, what an incredible fall from grace that they've managed. <laughs> Just like, oh, Somebody said that everybody's lost in that situation. You know, like CA have lost, the fans have lost, you know, people, like n- nobody comes out of that situation any better it's just an absolute dumpster fire, and you know we don't have to go into it too deeply, do we? Because we all, everybody knows what's going on. It's just, a, it's just dead annoying. The whole thing is just really, really annoying. So I, I like, I like Warhammer. Like I, I've played, I've got thousands of hours in the in the three Warhammer Total War Warhammer games. Uh, I see their flaws now more than I did, and I've kind of stopped. I've uninstalled them actually. I've stopped playing them, um, and I kind of I've gone back to playing Medieval Two mods when I want to play Total War or Shogun because I just think they're better games. But, you know, I, I still like to, you know, I, st- I, I want them to continue with that game. But, you know, just to, with the way that they're going about it now, I think they've just torpedoed any good faith. See, Creative Assembly have torpedoed any good faith they've got with the community. And I think the community are also probably going a little bit too far as well. So it's just a bit one of those really shitty situations. Yeah, I think you said it best. I mean, no one wins here, right? I mean, not only do the fans who have, you know, been there and have, you know, participated and, and provided feedback and supported the the studio through all of it you know for them to you know then turn around and almost feel like they've been betrayed and then of course like you said the it just just, no one wins right (laughs) because like no matter what at this point it's it it soured the community it soured the community's feelings of of creative creative assembly and you know for those that don't know and i'm I'm not going to get too much into it it's just a quick thing about how you know, the, the main concern is that Creative Assembly came out and said that basically they're increasing the prices for DLC. And then what was also noticed is on the the other side of that was that the DLC seemed smaller and less significant. And so you're paying, you know, a, a good chunk more for less. 
And it really, it really upset a lot of people, understandably. But at the same time, like you said, uh, sorry, so like you said, Ben, is that the the audience itself, the fan base, you know, didn't really necessarily voice their opinions in a way that was constructive. Just some so, of them, like, yeah, like it, exactly. You know, I don't wanna... there was a lot of people. Sorry to interrupt, but this is no. like there was a lot of people who voiced very reasonable criticism of the pricing, very reasonable criticism of the fact that Creative Assembly have not fixed bugs, that they seem to be operating on a skeleton crew. There's months between, you know, that obviously they're just they're just kind of like using it as a cash cow now to fund hyenas or whatever this like game that they make they that was style that was fashionable about five years ago and like nobody's interested in anymore. They would they know that's gonna hemorrhage money because it's just late and it's just nobody played no one cares about those kind of games anymore i don't think so unless it has a a miracle it's going to be a big problem but the problem is it's kind of affecting all the other stuff that they're doing now so but yeah there was a lot of people who made very very reasonable you know complaints and i think the vast majority of people were very sensible but then as usual you've got kind of like an element of the community that just won't shut up there's constant virtue signaling about how great they are that they're boycotting it and it's i just don't think it's worked i don't think the boycott's worked I don't think it's all. I mean, you know, it's good that they tried, I think, because I think the price rise was egregious. It is very, very, you know, like, you know, everything's gone up in the, in the UK. We're under, we're going through a massive cost of living crisis and particularly for companies, energy is just mental. However, I think that the, you know, the, 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 the extent of that price rise was significant, you know, and like it's, it's put it beyond the price range of most people like in, in countries where these, we, it doesn't translate well into their local currency. It's just out of reach for most people now, you know, for a lot of people. So I understand why people are mad. It's just like one of these, it's one of these things where it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere anymore either. Yeah. No, those, that's well said. And, you know, and on the heels of that, it seems like, you know, there's some sort of weird competition for companies to like outdo themselves and make everybody really upset because just recently Unity announced that they're going to charge per installation for that games. Is that, so weird. I, that uh, is so weird. It's so awful. It, it literally everyone like universally is like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I just, they could have increased the price of their licensing. They could have done other things, but What's even more shady and what was awful that I read, and you know, I'm not here to to make this a, a bitch fest about you know large companies because they all suck really. But the, the I think it was the owner or like one of the the president, somebody up there in the executive office, sold a lot of his shares of Unity before they made that announcement, knowing he had to have known that people were going to hate it. And so yeah, just it's so weird to me. I just I feel like it's like people were trying to. <laughs> I think uh, Havoc, Papa Havoc um, on Twitter said it best. It was just like, you know, it, what is this? Like a, a competition to see who can, you know, outdo each other for who the worst company is. And he's not wrong. It's pretty bad. You know, I was reading something about that. Apparently that CEO, the one that's brought out this new policy, he used to work for EA. And apparently at one time he floated a policy where they could get players to pay per reload, like reloading their gun in, in the Battlefield games. Oh, yeah. This is the guy that, that is doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, where are these people coming from? Like, what? Like, what are Unity thinking doing that? Right? I don't like Unity anyway. When I see Unity at the front of a game, I just think, oh god, this is going to be a stinker. And I know that's not fair because there's a whole lot of good games that have been made in Unity, but 
you know, all those like there was a, there's a guy in our community who um, who's made a forex in it, like a little forex game, which is kind of cool. I don't really like it very much, but it's a, he's put his heart and soul into it. He's constantly promoting his game. He's working on it all the time. He's always putting up updates. It looks great. Like it's just a, it's just like a little cool little game. And now he's really upset. He's like super pissed off because of this policy. Is now gonna he's gonna have to spend something like was it two thousand dollars a year or something now that he's got to spend in order to be able to get rid of the logo at the front of the game. And I think that. That says it all, doesn't it? It's like if you've got to pay money to get rid of a logo because that logo is an indicator that, you know, because so many bad games have been made with it. It's a racket, isn't it? That's just a racket. <laughs> like, what is that about, man? Like, I, I don't, I just don't understand why they've made that decision. It just seems like a, a massively self-destructive, stupid policy. Like Rob said, they could just change. Cha- if, they, if they're struggling for money, they should just up the price. Everything is raising in price at the moment. So it's just weird. Well, the thing is, they haven't even worked out. They've admitted they haven't worked out exactly how they're going to do it yet. Yeah, that's insane. And people I, are I, moaning that it's going to be like it's a cool home thing and they're asking, like, what about people who pirate a, a Unity game? <laughs> are yeah, we going to get you... charged for all the people who are installing pirated versions and stuff like that? Because it's just the runtime that's reporting back to them. So, yeah, it's all very weird. It's awful. It's It's monumentally stupid. But it's, you know, I feel like, I mean, just it's maybe just my impression, but I just feel like a lot of companies out there feel like they're doing everything they think they can to like wring more money out of us in a time where a lot of people are having a hard time. And I mean, like you said, Ben, the, the, the cost of living in, in the UK, I know in the United States, it's r- rising like every day to a point where, you know, a lot of people are starting to struggle and that's awful. But, you know, and, and so I understand the, you know, any companies desire to you know figure out ways to make more money but let it be natural like let it be in a way that people want it right like if if you want more money figure out a product that people want or you know figure out a you know a a a reasonable way to charge more for a product that maybe people use i mean i know unity they don't charge until you well, at least they didn't used to. I don't know if it's the way anymore but they didn't charge you to use the the engine until you made a certain amount and maybe it just that that threshold needs to lower, you know, like it was 200,000. Now it's 100,000, whatever it is. But I don't know, man. It's just it's been a year. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I was watching a video earlier and apparently PC and console isn't actually where their revenue come from. A lot of it comes. They've got some sort of ad service for mobile games. And apparently that's like where a lot of their money comes in. So I think that someone's probably looked at it and said, well, how can we get more money out of the, all these PC and console gamers? <laughs> yeah, that'll be it. It's like, you know, at the moment, this is one of the reasons why initially I just did not care about the Total War Warhammer price rise. I was just like, yeah, well, so what? Like everything's price. Like whenever I go to the shops to buy my shopping, it's like being kicked in the balls. Like literally every single time Mate, I go, my my mum cannot believe has doubled in a it's year. It's doubled, man. Much. It's like it's unbelievable. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who is like reasonably comfortable, right, with the amount of money that I've got. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I've like, I've, you know, but I know people who are struggling like hell who just cannot pay their shopping bills at the moment, electricity bills. So part of, like initially when I heard about this CA thing, I was just like, so fucking what? I could not care less about. um you know, about a, a luxury product going up by a few quid. And then I kind of looked at it a little bit more closely and I was like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. That is really, really high, you know? So, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's one of those things, man. Like the the pro- cost of living has gone up, but I think something like Unity doing something like that, I don't think it's related. I think this is just some bad decision they've made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like no. I said, they just want to milk milk PC and console gamers. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you look at it, you see where their leadership's coming from now, and you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. They're just money grubbers. Like it's yeah, that's all it is, really. Yeah, and I I just don't get it too because you know a lot of these companies that are after your money or, or, you know, gigantic corporations making an insane amount of money. I mean, billion, I mean, I know Activision Blizzard and, and EA, they're billion dollar companies, you know, like. They've got to be hemorrhaging money though. Like all of these places, like I, I think that there's been so, uh, people are so fed up now of bad games and monetize, you know, like really, really shady monetization problems. Like Ubisoft have been, have been, you know, kind of, slated for this as well like ea are really really bad for it like i just don't buy i don't just don't buy or play any games by these big triple a companies anymore because i just know that they're going to be crap and they're just going to be full of all the sort of like cheap game design decisions and you know just monetization stuff like i reinstalled shadows of war you know uh, the the lord of the rings kind of like game i can't remember which company made that one now i was like oh i fancy playing that it's been a while you know and i kind of i I loaded it up and then i just saw the the hand-holding kind of tutorial and stuff again i was just like oh i just i can't do it to myself (laughs) i'm just gonna play dominions again (laughs) before we continue let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, see, this is what I love about uh, Grinding Gear Games, the guys who do Path of Exile. They, they the way they might, it's a free-to-play game, and you basically only pay f- for cosmetics. So you get people who like the people who can afford it will buy loads and loads of cosmetics just to support the game. And you know they're at a point where they're now going to have two games that they're going to fully develop separately. And then you get Blizzard who just <sighs> Oh, I don't know. It's it's crazy. Hopefully, must all be... these big companies die, and small companies like Hooded Horse and stuff like that will come through and just sweep them under the carpet. Yeah, I think that's what's kind of what's happening. I think, like, if you look, I, I mentioned this guy earlier on, but I didn't name him. But you know, the, there's a guy called Mac who does a channel called Worth a Buy, and he um, he just like for years. For years now, I've watched him, and you know he's kind of a comedy channel. Like he sort of does game I love reviews, that but he's, channel. Yeah, I love, I love that it. Channel. Yeah. I think he's great as well. Um, he's he's hilarious, and he's just proper Geordie. But like, Is you he know, but Scottish he, or no, he's Geordie. He's a Geordie. He's from um, I think he's from Middlesbrough or Newcastle, whichever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> close to Scotland, so yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> close. It's very close. But like, anyway, he's great. But I think he's very honest as well. Like, I've been on a few. I've chatted to him a few times on his uh, when he does a live stream, and he's just sound man. He's an old guy like us, you know, who likes playing. You know, he's been playing games since the eight, like late eighties and nineties as well. And um, but I, I was, I just can't believe that he still can. He continues to play and cover these AAA games, even though he hates most of them. <laughs> and like, I, I often think, like, why does he do it to himself? But I know why. It's because it's where his audience is, you know, and it's where you know he, he make. He's obviously as a YouTuber, he's got to cover those games because that's what he's always covered. But you, you'll catch him like often saying. 
it's all about indie games now. It's all about like smaller studios. It's all about indie games. And I think he's right. It's like these AAA studios, they, 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 they've got to the Hollywood point now where they had such a hegemony on the market and such a, you know, such a market share that they've started just taking the piss and the quality of their games just isn't, isn't, you know, they're not releasing the games of a quality that allows them to behave in that way anymore. So I think they're going to lose their position. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just really want to quickly interject and say that I looked it up and Unity Technologies is worth $14.4 billion. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so. Jesus. Like, uh, so yeah, they're, they're doing all right. <laughs> but they got to have more. So it's insane. It is, like, I, I was just reading about this and I know this is digressing ever so slightly, but it's in the vein of what we're talking about. But like the amount of money like it's really difficult for most people to like wrap their head around a billion, right? Like a million seconds is like 36 days and like a billion seconds is like 31 years or something like that. I don't know the exact math, but it's like the, the difference between a million and a billion is just like astronomical. And the fact that there's people here like in this planet that have hundreds of billions of dollars or even just $14.4 billion, that is just such a large sum of money. You know, are we and, talking American billions or or UK billions? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I generally, I'm sorry, I, and I know this is like American centric or whatever you want to mm-hmm. say, but like it, it, I would say that most large corporations are American based. So I would, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, but about it's that. still a lot of money. It's like a yeah. crazy amount of money. It's insane, and then you just start to think about the like when you when you like most people like just rattle off those kind of numbers and they don't really think about how much money that is, and. Uh, there was something that I read too. It was like basically, if you were you made like a thousand dollars a day since the day Christ was born, you know, if, if that's what you believe in, then you would you'd still not be a billionaire today. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. what? Like that? That's insane to me. And so when you start talking about a company that's trying to to wring out, you know, extra money from people when they're already worth fourteen billion dollars, I just I, I I don't know. I can't even. I don't. I don't understand it. I just really don't. It might be that they're like predicting that the market's going to go a certain way. Like, for example, they're foreseeing some change in the technology that's going to affect uh, digital rights in some way. And they're trying to preempt it. I don't know. I'm, you know, just spitballing here, but it doesn't seem like a smart move to go and do something like that. If they wanted to make more money, they could have just raised the price. Yeah. Well, I think um, back to what you're saying about Mac and the AAA thing. I think, yeah, he's bang on. Like, it's. Well, nowadays, AAAs are just, you know, they're just bloated and trying to make as much money as they can without actually... Well, they, they put work in, there's no denying that, but it's just all just bloated and inefficient and just no good. But then you see, like, God, Baldur's Gate 3 from Larian Studios, that was a massive, massive hit, and they're not yep. they're not a AAA studio, they're indie. And then everyone's like, oh, it's an anomaly, it's weird. And then it's like, okay, well, what about our cat? They've got Rogue Trader coming out. That's going to be like a competitor to that. It's massive as well. And then, you know, you've got Hooded Horse. You've got all of these indies and double A's coming out, and they're just absolutely killing it. So, um, no, I really think they're sort of taking over the indie space and all that. It's where the innovation is and where the quality is. You just got to look at the uh, the controversy with all these kind of these companies coming out in Twitter and stuff and saying, "Oh, well, you know, Baldur's Gate was just an anomaly." That <laughs> kind of it's like, that no, so that funny. should be. That oh, should God. be the standard. Like oh, releasing, I meant to say this, yeah, no, releasing I, I, a standard, a game of you know that quality. That's what it should be. That's not the anomaly. You guys are just 
like not doing your jobs <laughs> properly. And I understand that it's not so easy. Like now working for a game developer, I understand like that it's not always that easy to release something that is perfect, you know, and because there's money constraints, you know, if you don't, if you don't release the game in uh, at a certain time, people start losing, have to lose their jobs because they can't keep them on and all that kind of stuff. Right. I understand that. But still to make to that amount of cope, was unbelievable that they would even dare to go oh well you know it's just an anomaly and you shouldn't be holding us to the same standards it's like yes we can we should be <laughs> yeah I, I meant to mention this earlier when you when we were talking about Baldur's Gate 3 it really upset me to see like industry leaders quote unquote you know people from EA people from Bethesda basically saying like this is this is you know don't don't judge us by this game you know uh, please it's 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 you know it's just just a, a happenstance it's just a lucky you know um i don't know lucky turn of events that these guys just got it all right you know and i, I was like are you kidding me like hey it's it was bullshit to hear like people from you know large companies who clearly felt threatened by larian but yeah. also it was just to to degrade them or to like you know minimize their efforts and minimize the the amount of work i'm sure they put into Baldur's gate 3 and try to say that it was some sort of anomaly. Yeah, do you yeah. think that was a fucking accident? That's what I'd said to I'd be, if I was if somebody worked at Larry and I'd be like, Do you think that was an accident that we put all that hard work in and we we you know we diligently made this really, really great game that we that we love and everyone loves? Do you think that was just an anomaly, was it? How yeah. unbelievably arrogant. Yeah. Uh, and starting to wonder, do you think it's because these big companies are so big and they churn through employees? So by the time the next game comes out, it's almost like a new set of people that they've hired. Because like if you look at Larian, they've gone from strip from if you go from original sin one, they've slowly built up from game to game to game, making each game better than the last. But then you look at like um, you know, like Diablo, I'd say, or even Starfield, and it's almost like they haven't looked at the games that have been made previous and said, Oh well, let's take all the good stuff from here, put it into the new game and build upon it. It's like, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with AAA game studios, but there's definitely a problem where they're kind of not learning from previous successes. They've, they'd rather just milk an IP and just put, put it out there and just hope it sells. It's almost like the movies, like the, you know, you're getting all these big blockbuster movies that are just, terrible they're just terrible they just throw money at them and say well it's got to make a certain amount of money and if it doesn't it's a failure sort of thing so i don't know it's crazy well i don't know i think that's exactly what it is because you look okay we'll go back in the past like look at blizzard for example right they had starcraft they had warcraft two rts's and they had diablo and they used to do the same kind of thing as what the indies are doing now like this is before they were big or before they were massive you know they'd take those genres or those properties and they'd iterate on them. You'd have Warcraft 1, 2, and 3, and then you've got Warcraft 3. It was this absolutely massive banger, and then you've got StarCraft 1, and eventually StarCraft 2. Then you had Diablo 1 and 2, and then, you know, completely shut the bed with 3. But then you look at other studios, and you've got, like, um, Ubisoft. You know, they had, what, Settlers, Anno, and they had a couple of shooters, and then they iterated on them, and then there's just, you can see this point around, like, the late 2000s sort of thing, where they've just suddenly changed in this direction and they've started going towards what we've got now, where it's just, oh, you know, forget what we're already making. We're just going to throw that out and figure out how to just monetize it as egregiously as we can and make all this yeah. money and convert it off to a completely different kind of game that's unrecognizable. And then this is what you get now. But then you've got the indie guys who are doing like Larian or Owlcat, because like I said, Owlcat 
with Rogue Trader, that's probably going to be a relatively serious competitor to Baldur's Gate. Well, not even competitor, but like, you know, like getting up there. And this is what they did, right? Like with Larian, you know, they made Divinity 1, Divinity 2. Um, from what I've heard, they almost went broke for both of them. They had to kickstart both of them and barely made them. They were working and around well long before that, you know. They they made loads of RPGs and games yeah, kind of yeah. before the, the original. Because Divinity's an old series. It's It's been going since the early 2000s, I believe. Yeah, well, there you go, right? So they've had 20-plus years to iterate on this and make it better and better and better. And now, we're, and now they're seeing the fruits of that. Like Now they're finally getting these massive successes because they know what they're doing and they've spent years honing their craft. It's not an anomaly. They've busted their asses for a really long time to get there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I with Valerian as well, there was a thing they had uh, with Divinity 2, not to be uh, confused with Original Sin 2, uh, the third-person game. That was released by a publisher. I think they were kind of forced to release it early and it wasn't in a good state, so they managed to get hold of the game themselves and re-release it as a director's cut. So I think they kind of learned from that it's best just to do it ourselves sort of thing. I think what's happening with a lot of these big companies is previously you've had people who were in charge who were sort of lovers of games, even like probably when Unity was started, it was like people who love games. But once you get these money men in, then it you can see where the money men have come in and suddenly the passion for games, all those guys have been thrown out and now you've just got these money guys that are just like, yeah, we got to churn out another one of these and, you know, make loads of money off it if possible. And that's it. There's just no passion in these games anymore. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. That's exactly what I think is the problem is that a lot. And I think that's why Larian, you know, and again, I'm agreeing here, but like, Larian still loves making games and they even say that like they in their their press releases they're like you know we love this stuff and this all this has come from a place of passion and love and you know I think that when you start to add these yeah like you say these money men these people who are business oriented and they see the bottom line and they're worried about the bottom line that the the game quality loses like they, there's a loss in game quality you know like Blizzard like you were saying like when they were when they were passionate about making video games that's why they became who they are because they were making amazing games that were clearly built on this like foundation of passion and that's why I think the indies and the double A's are making the great games now because they want to make these games they're in it for the the passion of course they want to make some money but I don't think they're trying to make billions of dollars they just want to make enough to like you know continue making games and that's why I think, you know, like, that's why, like, a, a studio like Stardock is always going to be one of my favorites because games, you know, for them aren't really a money thing. It's their, like, software side. It's their utility software for, for Windows. That's what's making their money. And the games are just sort of things that Brad really enjoys making. And so he has Actually, his own. Sorry, sorry. Rob, I was going. I was. I was going to let Sean go, but th- this is related to what I was going to say. That um, Brad Wardell actually put an interesting post on the Forex Gaming Discord the other day in response to somebody kind of talking about why is it that is it is it me or were our old games kind of better than new games? And I think what uh, to su- to kind of summarize what Brad said very quickly and briefly and simplistically, he was like, unfortunately, modern games developers are kind of at the whims of negative Steam reviews. And he said that, you know, you can, what, but so there, there's, there's one in 10 gamers who just cannot lose a game. They cannot be challenged too hard. They just refuse, you know, they, anything small that goes wrong, they will just leave a negative Steam review. And he said that if you want your game to, it only takes one in 10 
people to downvote your game for it to have a really, really poor launch and it tanks your game. So he said, you know, to some extent, you're tied by these people. And these are like, he said, nine out of 10 people don't mind, right? They don't mind losing. If the game's a bit too hard, they might leave feedback, but they're not going to like just say the game sucks and then, you know, like leave a spiteful review or whatever. So, you know, it's you, you, games developers kind of, it, they're kind of at the, the mercy of the Steam review system to some extent. And that is, um, I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm, now I'm elaborating on what Brad said because I think, you know, reading between the lines, I think kind of what he's getting at is that if you don't, if you, if you don't dumb your game down in a big way, then you are going to get negative Steam reviews and you're going to, and it's, they are like clockwork as well. And because we're sat- oversaturated with games now, people have got a lot of choice. And um, so they burn through a lot of games and they're looking for an excuse just to kind of, you know, okay, this one sucks, this one sucks, this one sucks, you know, and there's quite a lot of people who do that. If you go on some of the negative Steam reviews on Steam, by the way, and click on what the other, what that person has written, quite often you will find the occasional person who just buys games and just negative reviews all of them. Like there's loads of them, like, um, and, uh, you know, they, they just, they're just like serial negativity people. <laughs> and I'm not saying, like, by the way, like, I'm not saying that everybody who leaves a negative review, you know, would do that. Like I do it occasionally. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to like hand wave off like real criticism because everybody should be able to, you know, critique things in a real way. But I do think it's true that developers are having to like, like tiptoe around the steam review system to the point where it is kind of, it's making our games dumber. Yeah, well, um, going off what you're talking about with when the money men get involved, I was just thinking that really good example was um, Lars, what's his face from Embracer Group. You can see what happens. Like that, that's like the end stage of what you can see happens when it's run by the money men. You know, because he's bought all of these studios and started making the, you know, they're they're making the games under this Embracer umbrella. And then this, there was some massive deal apparently that fell through, and he's just like, oh, okay, now we're going to close all these studios left, right, and center, and sack all these people. It was what New World Interactive, Volition um there's a couple other ones i can't remember what they are now but yeah he just started closing stuff left right and center because he's like oh this massive deal i did fell through so no more games from any of these studios and some of them like volition they've been around for 20 years so it you know really shows you what can happen when you've got the people behind it that are just trying to make money out of it and yeah i mean i'm I'm certainly going to sound like a spokesperson for hood horse here but i feel like that's kind of why hood horse is is actually succeeding where others aren't right now because i feel like he tim tim himself i've I've gotten to know him pretty well he loves strategy games like he's playing these games and the reason why he's picking them up is because he's enjoying them or he likes the way they look and of course they're doing something you know back doors and they're they're or i should say behind doors they're they're doing something behind doors and they're but I, he's like seeing these games and these are the kind of games he wants to play and that's why he's, he's also kind of gotten into some of the role-playing games too because these are games he loves and i think you know he's got the money now because he's invested well and the games that he's invested well in have done well. And now he has some wiggle room to help create these games that he genuinely is passionate about. And so I think Hood Horse is going to be like, you know, the new Microprose really. We we talk about that often, but for sure they're going to be like the new Microprose. Notice we, how they don't rush games out the door either at Hooded Horse. Not they, at all, they, right? They Alliance, of, Alliance of the Secret Sons should have been out like 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm not saying this to, to Steve. You know, like Steve, Steve's a great guy, but like that game has been in development forever. But it sounds like Tim has given him the the rope really to create the game that Steve wants to, wants the game to be and, you know, hasn't rushed out the door. And I don't know if that's costing them a lot of money or just a little bit of money. But at the same time, like it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, 
it's a philosophy. It's a, a business strategy that m- many publishers would not allow at all anymore. So, I, I mean, it's, well, we could go into this forever. Um, yeah, that's all I've got for now. Uh, didn't Hooded Horse just pick up a game? I can't remember if it was a released game or a new game. I don't know. I can't find it on the Steam page. There was another game they picked up recently. Does anyone know? No. Talking about not Menace from the Battle Brothers, guys. Um, is, oh, yes, that it was is. it. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yep. It's yeah. not out yet, but um, uh, it's out next year. But the, there was, uh, wasn't there one that they picked up? I think there was Nebulous Fleet Command. That was one that was already out in early access. They picked that one up. I don't know. I can't remember any others, but I think you're right about Tim. Like, you know, and then there's uh, Falling Frontier with Todd. I mean, that's been going for years and years and years. And then he got with Hooded Horse and the original, I think the original release was scheduled for, oh shit, I think it was mid last year or September last year or something. And now it's all, oh, now that I've got the publisher, I can do more stuff. Cause I think originally it was only going to be a skirmish and scenario creator. Now he's like, oh, forget that. I can make a full blown campaign. So it gives them the freedom to do more and release a more complete game than what they were otherwise going to do, which is sick, really. <laughs> it's great. Well, if you can afford to do that, right, then that would be the ideal business plan, in my opinion, because you don't get the reputation of releasing shoddy half-finished games, which will tank your reputation. You know, if you if you release a bad game, I mean, you know, or a game that's just obviously been rushed out the door because it needs to make money, like that leaves a sour taste in people's mouths. And the market is so brutal at the moment, I think, that you can only do that a couple of times before, you you know, that is it, you're done. So I think if you can afford to do that, if they've got, you know, if they can afford to, like, and obviously these are small companies that they're supporting. These are small developers, you know, and they don't have like dozens and, you know, dozens of artists in each develop, you know, like there's usually just a couple of guys or maybe one guy working on these things. So they can probably afford to do that. But that's ideal because that way, when the game is released, it's released properly. It, you know, it might not sell a huge amount because it's kind of a niche game, but it's going to do well because it's a, f- a fully formed game, like with what happened with Baldur's Gate. That's the ideal situation, in my opinion. And I, and I realize that the modern economics don't always allow for that, but I mean, really, that's what we they should be aspiring to. Well, speaking of what you said, what Rob was saying about the new microprose, even microprose itself is doing really good stuff. Like we got uh, regiments. It was made by like one Russian guy in his basement, basically. And it's phenomenal. High Fleet's the same. Uh, Carrier Command 2. They've got Tiny Combat Arena. There's a lot of good quality stuff coming. Shit. Hang on. There's a lot of really quality stuff coming out of them as well. And this is where it seems to be at now. You know, you've got these guys that actually support the people to, like, they, they, you know, they've they got to know, but like, rather than trying to wring as much money out of people as you can, make something good and it will sell. And <laughs> you can make money that way. Like, exactly. And these little guys, what, like the smaller guys seem to get that. What happened to that sales model, you know? Like, this is like a related thing. And I'll tell you very quickly because I know I ramble. When I was an artist, I used to make, you know, a reasonable living selling paintings. And I always just made the paintings I wanted to paint. When I realized that I could make money from it and the money was quite good, I just started banging pictures out and I'd start doing commissions. And as soon as I started getting commissions for things that people wanted... I kind of just was starting to do it for money and then the pa- the passion died and the stuff that I made wasn't so good and eventually I just quit, right? And okay, that's a, that's a damning indictment on me as a person. <laughs> but I do think that it's kind of a bit of an analogy. Like if you make something for like, you know, because you love doing it and because you're, you're good at it and you want to show off your skill, right? Then when, it will make money. It will sell because people will see that organic kind of quality. Whereas if you make something to sell, 
right? And it's obvious. Now, I know video games are not the same as paintings, and it's much more complex than this, but I think the point still stands. I think that if you if something is clearly made to to fleece people of money, you know, games aren't stupid. They're not stupid. They can see that a mile off. So, you know, I think you, you've got to you've got to obviously make sure that your whatever it is that you're making is profitable. But at the same time, I think if you give people the 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 if you allow creative types the room to work, then they are going to make something that is, you know, is excellent. I think that's kind of what happened with Larian with Baldur's Gate. You know, that's the that's kind of the impression that I'm getting from reading that story. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this has been a great discussion. Um, I, I think. I mean, I, I don't really have much else to say about all of it. It's, I mean, I, I I could talk about it forever, but at the same time, I feel like we have talked a lot about it, and I think that you know that at the end of the day uh it's just a weird it's i mean it's it's probably the best time to be a gamer it's also the weirdest time to be a gamer and it's just been interesting to watch how this like this you know i mean i know you guys probably remember this maybe not you sean because you're younger not maybe young but you're younger but the the three of us probably remember when video games were like actually pretty niche themselves like just video games in general the industry itself was niche and now it's a multi-billion dollar industry it might be the largest entertainment industry i think I think it is, yeah. I think it's taken over from from the movie. Yeah, industry. dwarfs everything else now. It's not even close. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just it's just wild to see like the evolution of this industry, and you know, and and even just our little niche, you know. So it's like this thing that you know, I the we we we're we're basically like you know we're we're ourselves like exploding in this group. We are we're covering a niche inside of a what used to be a niche, and now this like gigantic you know juggernaut of a of an industry. It's it's just it's wild to see it, you know, evolve and, and change. And, and like, we've all kind of discussed now how money has kind of become the root of all the problems, really. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think it really has become the root of the problems with the industry. So <sighs> you always get the people who, when they see a profitable thing, they kind of sneak in from wherever it is they've been crawling under. And, uh, you know, they, they come in and go, ah, oh, rub their hands together. Like, oh, I can yeah. make something out of this. How am I going to retire get- off this? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm I'm going to do no fucking work, but I'm going to come in here and, uh, you know, I'll install myself as some kind of exec, and then I'll I'll bring in this new pricing system for Unity, or I'll, you know, I'm the big top guy at EA who's figuring out how to squeeze the most money, or you know, the guy at CA who's come in clear, or the Sega, whoever it is, who's come in and said, "Hey, that's a nice DLC you got there. Double the price. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want more money. So double the price." Yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 not wrong at all. Last thing I wanted to mention is that there is a, Parad- a Paradox Interactive announcement coming, and there's some rumors that it's a 4X game, like a straight historical 4X. So they're having some sort of event a few days after you'll hear this. That the like the poster child for it, a clear, it's clearly some sort of like prehistoric village and the people. And there's a lot of rumors that it's going to be like an actual historical 4X. So interesting to see that. Of course, I think Paradox sits kind of right in the middle of the two sides of this. I think they are just ever so slightly too much on the side of money. But I I think they're still doing enough that it's clear that some of them, maybe even the majority of them, are very passionate about what they do. So Yeah, yeah. and they do like player friendly initiatives too. Like look at Stellaris, right? You know, they release all those horribly buggy they're pretty expensive, the DLCs, too, really. Like, they're not that far off what CA wants to charge for this other thing, like, at least in my currency. Um, but they actually do stuff about it, you know. Like they've got the uh, 
shit custodian thing. The, the custodian for Stellaris. Yeah. You know, they go back and fix stuff and retroactively add things. That's amazing. CA need one of those. But anyway, um, yeah. So you know, okay, yeah. I've always thought their pricing is a little bit over the top, but yeah, they're actually d- taking initiatives to improve the experience as well. So I think it's kind of worth it if you get that stuff added in. I think people don't mind the price rises providing the quality is also kept up. That's the issue, isn't it? It's like, I've seen quite a lot of people say that. Like, it's like not so much the price of that new DLC for Warhammer was the issue. It was the lack of content in it for the, what they were paying. So, you know, we understand that things do, prices do rise, but, you know. Yeah. Um, what's the name? Paradox. I think it was about five years ago they announced that any DLC, no matter how old it is, will never be under 50% off in a sale. So, yeah, they're starting to go that way as well. Well, and, I'll play devil's advocate for just a second and then I think we need to wrap up, but I do agree with Sean and then at least they are still working on it. I mean, like they're about to release, I think they already have, maybe they already have, but the, the Kalem update where they've gone back and added like unique mechanics and additional mechanics to their species packs for Stellaris. And I mean, there's not many developers that would ever do that to go back. I mean, like Stardock's one of the first that come to mind, but you know, there aren't many developers that go back and actually, you know, add content, add mechanics, add value to old stuff. And at least they're doing that. If they're never going to b- drop below 50%, at least they're making it worth it. So, yeah. They do make good games as well, Paradox, man. You know, like we, we people give them, I think, give them a bit more flack than they really deserve. You know, like they, they do actually make genuinely good games. They do occasionally break stuff as well. <laughs> but, you know, it's like you do genuinely, like they don't, they don't always hide like game mechanics behind DLC. That's the thing that I really don't like about DLC. It's when you when somebody you know, like with Civilization Six was a really bad example of this, where they, or Civ Five, I can't remember which one it was, but they just locked critical game mechanics that were in the earlier games behind paid DLC. That really, really wound me up. Right. So Jaxie doesn't have anything to say. Okay. His hands up. <laughs> just left left on a really negative. Oh, point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got one thing. Uh, we'll do June another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, started off Next saying, episode. <laughs> <laughs> I started this episode by saying we were going to talk about dune but it did not happen we'll talk about dune in a like a much more detailed podcast maybe later this month and i'll somehow convince struxy to play more than two minutes so <laughs> so we started this with the intent of doing something else and just wound up shooting the shit for now it's cool I like that yeah well that's what the after dark episodes were intended to be and so like I'm not trying to sell this sounds like, oh, this is ironic, almost hypocritical. So here I am saying like, this is the thing that we do for our patrons. <laughs> so if you've enjoyed it, consider paying us money um, because that's what the world's revolved around. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually have had a patron guys saying that they really enjoy these sort of informal chit chats we have. So yeah. And this will be the first one that's ever been, that will ever have been released to the general public. So these are things that we have done in the past for the Patreon and the patrons. So and it's if, the last one you get until you pay. You got to hand over your hard earned cash. Pay <laughs> motherfuckers. You're going to start charging you for a word. <laughs> Listen, this is like DLC, all right? If you want your, your Explominate DLC, you have to pay for it. But no, that's too much. I The, the irony is just awful. <laughs> so we'll probably do uh, some more of these free occasionally. Yeah, no, it, it is free for the patrons. So, and well, I mean, free in that they free if you pay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're already, <laughs> you're already supporting the podcast. These are not uh, podcasts that we charge our patrons for. They're just released free to the group for like a thank you. So 
but you do have to kind of pay for them. So yeah, whatever. You know what? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> whatever. We're, Explore we're, like Game Pass. <laughs> we're yeah, it's free like Game Pass. Oh, it's free. Yeah, you're just going to pay 15 bucks a month. It's not fucking free. Jesus. It's $3 a month, me. y'all. It's $3 a month. Yeah, we're $3 here for Chris, a but, uh, You know, whatever. It's the so, price of a coffee. Yeah, if you live exactly. in a place where coffee is half the price where it is here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, you can't even buy coffee for $3 here in the United States anymore. So anyway, with that being said, this has been fun, guys. I've really I've actually enjoyed this very off-topic, but also very on-topic discussion. So, Drexy, thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, man. And uh, I'm only slightly annoyed by your voice, but... <laughs> yes, yes. There's a small <laughs> victory. I appreciate that. Thank you. Great. All right, Ben, thank you. Thanks for letting me ramble at you, Rob. Uh, no, of course. It's always good. Or it's always good to hear your voice. It's always good to hear everyone, even Drexy's awful voice. So actually it's not, <laughs> I see, I wish nice. I could say his voice is awful, but it's so baritone. It's so deep. And I just, I just, yeah, it could put me to sleep, but like in a good way. <laughs> Jesus. Is that <laughs> <some one>? ASMR <laughs> shit? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like David Attenborough, man. Like when I watch those like nature things that he does and he narrates, I, his, his voice is just so smooth, so smoothing, so smoothing. It's so soothing to me. Your, your, your voice, Drexy. I feel like you should narrate nature shows. <laughs> you see the wild Ben coming out of his head. <laughs> exactly. There you go. One of nature's rarest apes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and Sean should get together because I'm sure Sean has a plethora of wildlife to to introduce you to. So, speaking of Sean, thanks for being here with your wildlife, sir. Yeah. No worries, man. It's good to be back. Be a while. Uh, good to be back. Being a while. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a threat as well if to offer to introduce somebody to Australian wildlife. <laughs> yeah, it does sound kind of threatening, doesn't it? Because it's all trying to kill you. So, uh, all right. Well, Sean, stay stay safe down under, all right? Yeah, no, it'll be fun. All right, great. Well, this was Rob, Drexy, Ben, and Sean for Explominates. Until next time, keep exploring.